We hope you enjoy this message from Matt Bruce, recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. So good to be here tonight. Hey, before you sit down, I want to have some fun. Uh, so stay standing tonight. I actually want to start by teaching you some music, so some element of music, and I want to teach you how to conduct. So you're all going to be conductors tonight. So in music, right, we're going to make it real simple. There's a lot of detail to music, but I'm going to make it real simple so we can all do it. Cool? So in music, right, there's obviously the lovely melodic sounds. And there's a thing called a beat or a time signature. So in music, most music, well, not most, but a lot of music has four beats uh, per bar, right? So it's like one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. So this is the basic thing of music, right? You guys are looking so scared. Man, it's just music. So that's our basic beat, right? And a conductor's job is to make sure that his orchestra or his band is, is going in time, right? So what I want you to do, I'm going to teach you how to do this. So we're going to learn how to conduct a 4-4 piece. And literally, I want you to chuck your hand up here. Make sure it looks really inspired, like orchestra at my command. Fantastic. All right, and beat one is simply down. One. Now to the side. Two. Out. Two. Back in. Three. Four. So one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Hey, why don't you give yourself a round of applause tonight? You're incredible conductors. Thank you, Ben, for being so obliging. Hey, if you discovered in that moment that you might have a little bit of music talent beyond what you thought you had, Serve September is coming up. I may remind you, the worship team loves to have new people on. Come boss us around with your conducting. Awesome. Good times. Hey, how good has this series been so far? It's been an incredible series, and I just want to start by honouring Pastor Will uh, for the teaching he's brought to the church uh, during these last three weeks. It has honestly sowed into my life so much, and I know there's a faith sound coming out in our young adults, and it's a result of God uh, ministering through Will to us. So could we just honour Pastor Will uh, tonight? Awesome. Let's start with prayer because I need Jesus. Hey, God, thank you so much uh, for tonight, Father God. I thank you for what you've already brought in your praise and worship, Father God, and the way you've begun to minister to us. I pray that tonight you continue to minister to us through your word and that strongholds will be broken off lives tonight, Father God. We praise you, Lord, and we're expected. Amen. Amen. Well, the title of my sermon tonight is simply, I Praise on One. I Praise on One. And you know what? I absolutely love the new song we're doing with this series. Absolutely love it as it is in heaven. I think this is such a significant song for the church at the moment. Such a significant song. And there's one line in the song that always gets to me, that always makes my spirit sit up a little and it's, I've got all I need to sing. I've got all I need to sing. 
Tonight, my prayer is that in your heart, you'd be in agreement with that and you'd find yourself in that place where you could say, I've got all I need to sing, all I need to sing. So tonight, I wanna turn to Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. If you wanna find that in your Bible, I think it'll come up on the screen as well. Can I say, just how good is Ephesians? Man, I've been reading Ephesians from, it's only got like six, is it six verse? No, six chapters in it. And I've read every six chapters every day this week because it's just so good. And I was like, man, I just want to get up here and read Ephesians. But I haven't done that because that could be a bit tedious for you guys. But Ephesians 1, 3 to 14, it's quite a long scripture, so stay with me tonight. Um, but it's phenomenal. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. That's what Will talked about this morning. In accordance with His pleasure and will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Verse 11, in Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Listen up for this next bit. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. This scripture is phenomenal, phenomenal. And this is what we've been singing the last three weeks. Verse four and five, it says this, for He chose us. Oh no, verse four and five, it says, in love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. First point, I know you love me. I know you love me. It says in God's Word that you love me. Verse four, for He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. I know you found me. I know you've chosen me, God. Verse six and seven to the praise of His glorious grace, which has freely given us in the one He loves. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. I know you saved me and I know your grace will never fail me. Verse 13 and 14, when, we, when you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Come on, so while I'm waiting, I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting. Come on, I've got the deposit of the Holy Spirit in me. 
heaven lives in me. That's what we've been seeing these last three weeks. Come on tonight, you can stand on those truths. His love, His grace isn't about to walk out the door on you. The Holy Spirit who is your deposit guaranteeing your inheritance isn't about to ditch you tonight. This whole series has reminded me of one of a message I heard that was probably the most life-altering message I've ever heard for me personally. And it was a, a message from Pastor Rudy Nikarud from uh, Planet Shakers, Melbourne, Australia. I love Australia. That might have been why it was biased as my favourite. Nah. nah, I'm still New Zealander, guys. I have citizenship. <laughs> Bone. <laughs> But it was a message by him. And the whole message was is that Jesus or God doesn't just want a visitation. He wants a habitation. He doesn't just want a visitation. He wants a habitation. You see, at the moment Jesus died on the cross, the temple curtain was torn in two. It was torn in two. And you see, the purpose of this curtain in the temple was to separate the common area where men dwelt and the area or the room that held the presence of God. So it was the common and then the presence of God. But on Jesus' death, this curtain tore in two. And this veil, or like the tearing of the veil, was the moment where Jesus said, hey, sin isn't gonna separate us any longer. This is the full relationship moment, you see. And this room, what was crazy, I love this. Only priests could enter this room and they'd do it once a year and it would be for the atonement of the, all the Israelites' sin. So it's like, you have to wait one year, one whole year. It's like, what? Man, that sucks. And the crazy thing was, is that they actually tied a rope around the priest's ankle when he went into this room because if he died in the room, in the presence of God, no one else could go in there. So they literally just pull him out pull this dead body out because he just died in the presence of the Lord. That's nuts. That's so nuts. But anyway, at Jesus' death, this curtain tore in two and it created full access to the presence of God. So now relationship and meeting with God was not just about a visitation that you did perhaps once a year because the temple was so far away and you had to journey to it. It wasn't just about a visitation to the temple where you couldn't even get into the presence of God. That was the priest's job. But now there was a possibility of habitation, of habitation. All access passed to the presence of God. And at Jesus' death, all who believed in Jesus may receive the Holy Spirit, the habitation of Christ, the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And this is what Paul talks about when he says about the Holy Spirit being that deposit. Come on, in other words, heaven lives in me. The moment Jesus died on the cross, heaven began in me. It began in me. So it's not just a visitation. It's not just meeting God at church on a Sunday for a couple of hours. No, He goes with us. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day, the habitation of Christ is in us. Jesus desires habitation in our lives. I was watching an interview with Joel Houston, um, who, who wrote this song with one of his friends. 
And it's so good. I love uh, to go uh, to the person who wrote the song and to hear their personal revelation from Christ. Because then I know what I'm singing and I can grip onto something. And I thought this was just an incredible interview and I wanna share this with you. But it was actually the interviewer who actually made a really big impact on me because she shared a testimony. And she was a pastor from one of the Hillsong campuses. And she said that she received a text on uh, that Sunday night that they filmed this um, from one of their worship pastors who was actually struggling with pneumonia for the second time in a row. And he was really struggling with sickness in his body. But anyway, on this particular Sunday, he actually led worship, which I think is phenomenal with having pneumonia. But he led worship and he led the song as it is in heaven. And he said that he got to the part where it sings, I will sing like a man with no sickness in my body. And he said the confession of that just ruined him, just ruined him in all the right ways. Because he realised then that Jesus had him, that God's got him, that he has him. I think that's just an incredibly powerful testimony. You know, this guy just declares, I've got all I need to sing. I've got all I need to sing. I know you found me. I know you love me. I know you saved me. And your grace is never gonna fail me. So I've got all I need to sing. I might be waiting for the miracle and the physical and the flesh, but the miracle's already done in the Spirit. I might be waiting to see you face to face, but your spirit is alive and at work in me already. It's already at work in me, so I'm not waiting. I've got all I need to sing. Heaven lives in me. Tonight, the title of my sermon is, I praise on one. I praise on one. What's one? You're like, what's one? This is weird. What's one? One is the assuredness we have because of Jesus's habitation in our lives. One is the statements, I know you love me. I know you saved me. You found me and your grace is never gonna fail me. So despite all else, if I don't have anything else, I've still got all I need to sing. I've still got all I need to praise. Here's the thing. Too often I find myself skipping one and going to two, three, four. Tonight I taught you how to conduct and I wanted to do that so you could grasp this idea of one, two, three, four. One, I know you love me. That's when we should praise. But then two, man, this week's been real hard though. Three, God, you didn't come through for me on that job offer. Four, I don't even know if you really love me or if your word is true that you'll provide my every need. Praise. You, you made me come alive again. Oh, you, you made me come alive again. Uh. What about this one? One, I know you saved me. Two, but I've been caught up in sin this week. Three, God, why haven't you taken that from me? Why can't you do that? You're all powerful. Why don't you take your struggle from me? Four, perhaps I'm not good enough. 
Or perhaps even you're not powerful enough to take this. Perhaps I'm beyond your power. Praise. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I might be loved by you. (laughs) No. That's not how it should be, right? Come on, we need to decide in our hearts that we praise on one. We praise on one. It's not about two, three, four. It's about the one. One. I know you saved me. When I think about your goodness, my heart is overcome. How could I begin to thank you for everything you've done? One. I know you love me. I know you love me. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. Come on, it's who I am. One, I know your grace won't fail me. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Come on, I don't give the devil four beats of victory. I give him none. I praise on one. I praise on one. Don't tell me about two, three, four, devil. I'm ready to go on one. Come on, your praise silences the enemy. It silences the two, three, four. When you praise, he can't contend because in your praise, you're elevated above the devil. Above. You're reminding him whose level you're on. You're in God's presence. Hey, devil. Hey, devil. Remember the level you used to be on? You used to be on? Yeah, that one that you fell from? Guess what? I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm praising. I have the victory. Come on. Let's stop giving the devil four beats to defeat. We praise on one. We praise on one. Man, I'm sorry for getting excited, but Man, there's areas in my life where I'm believing the devil needs to be silenced and I need to capture the realities of heaven. So I'm going to praise tonight. I'm going to praise crazy. I'm not going to John Gray, but I'm going to praise. <laughs> yeah, nor will I get on the drums. Ephesians 1.18, I want to go to there. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance, there it is again, and His holy people and His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms. Come on, same power that defeated the grave now lives in me. Same power. I can praise on one because I know I've got the power in me. Come on, the Holy Spirit, deposit. So good. Hey, we're doing really good for time. I'm surprised. I usually take off on like a real fast pace and pull it back. I don't really, I really need a drink of water, but I don't like drinking in front of you guys. I was actually admiring Pastor Will's technique. He, he gives you something to hang on, and then he has a drink. So be like, hey, Jesus is so good, eh? 
That's when you say amen so I can have a drink. Amen. Amen. That's how you water transition. (laughs) Don't say I'm not learning, Will. (laughs) Hey, I want to go to Acts 16, 16 to 36. So chapter 16, verse 16 to 36. um, Because I want to take us to a Bible story that exemplifies praise on one. And like this blew me away when I got into this incredible story this week. Are we there? Hey, that's nice. Great. So it's titled Paul and Silas in Prison. Very cherry title. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Come on, praise will shift the foundation of your problem. Praise will shift the foundation of your problem. Not just the extremities, but the foundation. Prayer and praise will break the stronghold of your inner prisons. You see, it's hard to reestablish a building quickly if the foundations have been compromised. Let praise compromise the enemy's strongholds in your life tonight. Come on, God's Word and power is not in the business of just removing one floor off your high rise of hurt. No, He wants to compromise its very foundation and watch that whole thing crumble. Whole thing crumble. Come on, let praise compromise the enemy's strongholds tonight. Let's carry on with the story because it's so good. I'm going to go back to verse 25 if you want to join me. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison was shaken. At once, all the prisoners' doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. 
We are all here. So here we have it. The doors have been open. The foundations shaken. Freedom is available. But Paul cries out, we are all here. That's kind of strange. Therefore, Paul and Silas's praise and prayer perhaps wasn't focused on asking from a release from their circumstance. If it was, they would have taken what appeared to be God's first provision and gotten out of there, right? If you're crying out, God, get me out of here. Deliver me from this, God. Come on. And then you see that God opens the doors. You'd run out them, right? God, thank you for answering my prayer. I'm out of here. Yes, thank you, Jesus. That's what you would do. But Paul and Silas say, we're all here. That's interesting. That's very interesting. That's a part of the Caribbean quote. That's very interesting. <laughs> Sorry, that funny thought in my head, eh? Rightio. So if they were praising uh, for release from their captivity, they would have taken what appeared to be God's first provision and gotten out of that place. But instead, we see them stay. So perhaps Paul and Silas, Silas whilst in captivity, were praising God for loving them, for finding them, for saving them, for giving them grace always. I want to suggest tonight that perhaps they were praising and praying God on one. You see, praise and prayer motivated for escape would have taken the first opportunity for freedom, but they stayed. They stayed, which is crazy. And imagine how different the story would have been if they had taken the first opportunity out. Really interesting. Hey, let's keep reading. I love this story. So, foundation's shaken. Let's pick it up from there. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. I wonder what circumstances that we're currently going through, that we're so desperately focused on calling out to God to deliver us from it, that we're actually missing the very personal people God's place for us to deliver. I wonder what circumstance. I wonder what our praise is motivated by. I wonder what our prayer is motivated by. If Paul and Silas' prayer and praise had been motivated for escape, they would have taken their first opportunity. And instead of reading about someone who was saved in his whole household, we'd be reading about a, a prison guard who took his life. That's a big contrast. That's a huge contrast. I wonder what circumstances we're currently going through where we are so desperately focused on asking God to deliver us from it that we're missing the personal people God has positioned us to deliver. This isn't contrary to what Will preached this morning. If you're here this morning, he talked about how sickness, right? And like God, some people say that God uses sickness to teach you a lesson. I'm not trying to suggest that tonight. 
I'm just saying that God works all things for good. And in this situation, He had a plan to redeem more than just Paul and Silas. To bring this into a context, this could be really big or small. Maybe you're a parent in here and you have to attend these crazy little things called kids' parties. (laughs) Those things crazy. I got invited to one, had an absolute blast, was absolutely knackered, slept like a baby that night. Incredible. But the thing is, is that if kids are diverse, parents are even more diverse. So you go to this party and maybe as a parent, you're in there and you're starting to have some conversations. Like, this one's going to write. And then the conversation gets a little uncomfortable or you feel like, oh, like, man, I wish I could just leave now. Like, you know, I'm not feeling super comfortable here. But perhaps if we're not looking for our first exit, we'd see our first entry into someone's life. And I think sometimes we let the discomfort determine our praise or our prayer. God, get me out of here. It's so uncomfortable. What if you're a frog, red frog? If you're a red frog in this place, give me a ribbit. Ribbit. Yeah. Hey, I'm proud of the frogs. I'm a fellow frog. Ribbit. Red Frogs is a student-based uh, ministry. It's not like 100% student, but it's where we safeguard a generation. We go in and look after uh, these students when they're at their best and when they're at their worst. Um, so it's such an incredible ministry. But imagine if you're a red frog and you're in a situation that's starting to get a little uncomfortable. Maybe there's some violence going on. Maybe there's a little bit of attention going on with this person and they're lashing out or whatever. And imagine if I was just looking for my first exit instead of my first entry point. Imagine what that would do to change that person's life. Could I put up with the discomfort and praise God on one? Is one enough at that time for me to praise and and me to look for an entry point? I wrote this down and this one hit me. I wonder if I stopped looking for my first exit, I'd see the first entry into someone's life. God hit me with that one. It was really good. What about prayer? I wonder if we prayed on one. Maybe someone's sick. Hey, well, I've got heaven in me the deposit of the Holy Spirit. I've got all I need to pray. God, you love me. You're for me. You found me. You saved me. Come on, I've got all I need to pray. All I need. Let's keep reading this story. I love this story. I know I keep saying that, but Ephesians blew me away. And then Will preached on out of Ephesians today. So I was like, yo, this is awesome. Great, let's continue on with the story. Let's go back to the jailer called, uh, verse 29. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his home. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Awesome. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. So good. So good. I think sometimes in life we're so worried that our life may not be attractive, that we don't step out. 
maybe externally in your life, you think, man, that's not attractive. That doesn't look like God's in my life right now. But internally, come on, I know God saved me. I know God loves me. I wrote a scenario down. Maybe it's like, God, I'm too scared to invite my friend to church this week and testify of your goodness because I actually can't pay my bills this week. And what does that really say about who you are? That's not attractive. Sometimes we're waiting for external prosperity before we share our internal prosperity. But here in this story, oh, this story is ridiculous. Here in this story, the very thing that landed Paul and Silas in prison is now the very thing the prison guard wants. Are you serious? This prison guard, who was probably part of the flogging, probably part of the beating, now decides that he wants the very thing that earns you that. Talk about a bad life decision. But why does he want it? Why in the world would you want that very thing that gets you flogged, thrown in prison, put in chains, put in captivity? He wants it because obviously it was enough for Paul and Silas in that moment. Obviously it was enough for Paul and Silas at that moment. Whatever they had in them was enough to cause them to sing and praise in a place of captivity. That's another point of be like, oh, maybe their praise was about, hey, God, I know you love me. Maybe they weren't going, God, get me out of this. Deliver this prison, God, because we want to get out of this, God. Come on, help me out. No, they were probably just real content and saying, God, your love's enough. Your grace is enough. Just the fact you saved me, just the fact that I know heaven's begun in me and I've already seen it out work and now I know that I'm going to heaven even if this all went. I feel like the God was saying here, in a life that can't guarantee comfort, I at least want to guarantee that I'll always have the comforter. Circumstance will change, but I want to have reason to praise that isn't attached to circumstance. I want to have reason to praise that isn't attached to circumstance. I want to declare with confidence that song you've been singing all night, that one you really annoyed me with, but now I'm in love with. You know that one that goes, you know you love me, know you found me, over and over again. I want to know that song. Tell me about that song. That seems to be enough for you in prison. I just want to know that I've got everything I need to sing. Such an incredible moment. I think sometimes we get so caught up in the external prosperity. Oh, when I'm thriving externally, then I've got something attractive. Then I've got something to share. Then people might follow me. Then people might say yes to being invited to church. When I can give a testimony that says someone bought me a house, oh, then people will follow me. No, people are looking for something that's not a, that is not attached to circumstance. People are looking for something in a world that's going crazy, in a world that things are going left, right, here, everywhere, up and down. They're looking for something that isn't attached to that. They want the inner prosperity, the inheritance of that to come. So we need to learn how to speak out our internal prosperity even when we're in captivity. That's attractive. I think sometimes I've listened to two, three, four so much that I've forgotten that it was declared finished on one. Declared finished on one. 
I can be confident sharing the hope I have. I've got all I need to sing. Man, this is the life I've found. And if it's all I get in this life, man, I'm 100% satisfied. 100% satisfied. I praise on one. What if we could boldly testify on one when the circumstance suggests silence instead? Silence is the enemy's territory, not ours. It's not ours. Praise silences the silencer. It silences the enemy. Crazy. Let's finish this story because it's so good. Where were we? Verse 34, the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. It does go on, but I'll finish there. I love how it says the magistrates free him, but it's almost like those last two lines are God's words. Now you can leave, go in peace. Paul and Silas could have taken the first option. They could have taken the first option, but instead they chose to stay because they knew internal prosperity always trumps external prosperity. And we see as a result, people, a whole household being baptised. Incredible. Incredible story. I want to finish tonight on a quote that Joel says in this interview that I started with on, as it is in heaven, because this is uh, incredible. It's incredible. It says, no matter what your season looks like, you might feel like you're in a prison literary, literally or metaphorically, you might feel trapped. But everything that is ours in Christ is ours here and now. And heaven's not just this party that we're going to for eternity, although it is. But the party's already begun inside of us because heaven has already begun inside of us when Jesus died on the cross. Come on, I've got all I need to sing. I praise on one. I don't need two, three, four. I'm not giving the devil four beats to defeat. I praise on one. Come on, let praise Destroy the enemy's strongholds tonight. Let your praise compromise the enemy's strongholds. We've been talking about renewing your mind. Come on, let that happen in praise. Tonight, why don't you stand with me? And even before there's people getting up here to, to sing lovely songs, come on, could we praise? Could we praise on one? One, come on, I know you love me, God. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. God, we thank you for your love. Your love is always enough for me, Father. Your grace is always enough. You'll always cover me. I'll always praise on one, God. It doesn't matter what's going on externally. I know you have me internally. I know you've given me your deposit. Thank you for listening to this message recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.